the country is an absolute unadulterated mess. But who's going to fix it? More of the same? Sinn Féin? <laughs> they seem to be losing voters hand over fist, particularly those in the working class areas who they depend on. They're not happy at the moment, the working class people, because 76% of the population have said Ireland is full. Even Leo Varadkar agrees it's full. It's at capacity. Isn't that the words he used? Ireland is in a bad place. Look what happened last Thursday night. That's unacceptable in any man's terms. But why did it happen? Where is all the anger coming from? Why are the government not listening to the people on a regular basis? We need something new, something different. People are talking about independence. Smaller parties like Into. And of course, the Irish Freedom Party has been mentioned many times by people. Herman Kelly is the president of the Irish Freedom Party and he joins me on the line. Herman, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Niall. Great to see you again. Good to see you too. Now, I remember you way back in the day, of course, when you were assistant to Nigel Farage. Maybe people don't like Nigel, some people do. He's a bit like Marmite. You were an assistant to yeah. Nigel Farage at the time during his campaign, of course, uh, around Brexit. Do you still hold high the idea of leaving the European Union or air exit, as you called it at the time? Yeah, I, I don't think we can afford EU membership anymore. We've been a net contributor since 2013. In 2001, we gave 1.1 billion euro net. Uh, and we're going to be, that will, is going to increase every year going forward. Since we joined the EU, they've taken 215 billions worth of fish out of our waters since we joined. They imposed 64 billion bank debt on us in 2013. And now here we are, we, like we're paying old men. Why are we paying old men we didn't elect to make laws we don't need? Like the men yeah, and we're, women we're no spring chickens ourselves, in fairness, Herman. I'm 60 years of age. But I mean, when we talk about old men. I don't men, believe you now. Come on. <laughs> when we talk about old men, it does take wise people to make wise decisions. So generally, sometimes, sometimes you get some young politicians who are pretty good. But generally, it is older people, men or women, if that be the case, who make those wiser decisions, isn't it? Well, the important thing is, like, the lessons of our experience of being in the British Empire was that we get shafted by, because the big countries or the big part of the political union will always act in its own self-interest. And the experience of multinational empires is that the big uh, the big countries benefit and the little countries get shafted. And you know what? That's been our experience in the EU as well. The EU is run for the benefit of France and Germany, they always win, we lose. What happened to our military neutrality? When we joined, we kept out of conflicts. We were like a peacemaker. Now we're getting involved. We have soldiers off in Mali. Uh, we have sending Irish soldiers to various EU missions around the world. And you know what? We're no longer, we have no meaningful military neutrality anymore. Well, and I believe well, that's, that's not was the very one who said we, we don't have any sovereignty. And he also suggested, of course, that Ireland, according to the Constitution, is not neutral. This idea that constitutionally we're a neutral country, we're actually not. It never states that anywhere in the Constitution of Ireland. Mind you, I, I'm not going to get into that well, because it, I, hate, I hate it the does idea say in the Constitution. Anyway. Sorry, not. It does say in the Constitution that Ireland cannot partake in any military e, EU military alliances. It does state that. That's okay. what it states. Uh, 
we can say that, you know, well, people will argue, of course, that yes, you're right. It has cost us quite a substantial amount of money to be part of the EU. We've probably given more than we've taken. But in saying that, when we look at how Ireland has, I suppose, benefited greatly over the last, particularly the last 15 years, when we've seen construction booming, particularly during the end of the Celtic Tiger, we had a huge shortage of workers in this country for hospitality, for construction, and you had a lot of Polish people came to Ireland or from different parts of Eastern Europe, and we would have been lost without those people coming to Ireland. If that had been a case where they all had to apply for working permits and visas to come here, it would have been a lot more difficult. Yeah, well, uh, Joseph Puska, uh, the guy who killed Ashley Murphy, yeah, he was a Slovak Roma who came over because of EU open borders and free movement. He came to Ireland, he got a free house, free education for his children, free medical care for him and his family. And what did he do to thank us? This is a guy who never worked a single day in his life after he came to Ireland. Why? Because he was an easy street. And what did he do to thank us? He killed a young, beautiful girl, Ashley Murphy. Really, do you know I, what? I'm not, I'm not denying no... that for a minute. And, and by the way, nobody should be allowed to come here and languish on social welfare. And certainly not. Nobody should be allowed to get involved uh, in criminality. Absolutely. And the fact but that you know Joseph Bushka already Brian... had a record before he came here, he shouldn't have got into the country in the first place. Absolutely. But, absolutely. But, but, but that, Brian, He's not representative of all the workers. The question I still go back to, and I'll come back to Joseph Pushkin in a few minutes, but the question I did ask you was in relation to, you know, he's not representative of the majority, the vast majority of hardworking people that came from Eastern Europe and worked in Ireland and helped to build the country that we have. Yeah. Well, as Brian Lanahan said at the time, it was uh, cheap euro, it was cheap money and cheap labour, which gave us a boom and bust in 2011, because we lost control of our own currency, we took the euro, we cheap uh, interest rates, we got cheap labour, we were importing poles to build apartments, to rent out the poles. That kind of set of cards collapsed. We then had a huge recession. Now, I do agree with you. Yes, the economy needs more workers, but why don't we have support the family? by the taxation system, as they do in Hungary, to encourage young Irish couples, they have more children, that we can have people uh, grown up in their own culture, in their own country. And also, we have a huge diaspora all across the world, especially in Australia, in America, in Canada. For example, we have 4,000 Irish doctors working abroad. We have many thousands of Irish nurses working abroad. And you've seen the pictures of... Uh, Many, a hundred nurses or so in Sydney and in Canberra with the big sign, give us a reason to come home. Well, I think it's in our interest to bring our own people, our own family home, to give them a reason to come home. And the reason that so many people are emigrating, so many of our own well-educated uh, like mm -hmm. family who want, who are, for, who are being forced to leave Ireland is because they cannot yeah, a house. Why and, can and I, not get I a wouldn't house? disagree with you. We should be encouraging as many to stay but as possible. But you're always, yeah, but you're always going to have a percentage of young people in their 20s when they finish college, being a doctor, nurse, or whatever it is, wanting to travel the world. There's always going to be Absolutely. a percentage Absolutely. who want Absolutely. a different life. And, and it's a good thing. And, and by the way, you know, Ireland is a small economy, a small country still. Uh, although our economy does okay, it's still a small country. The opportunities in places like Australia, in the NHS, in the UK, are probably a lot better for some of those individuals who want to move on or further their experience. So there's always going to be a percentage that will leave. But I don't disagree. We should be encouraging the family. Very disappointing news today that our birth rate is not as high as our debt rate. So we're not replacing the population fast enough. We're down to 1.5 or 1.7 or what it is at, the, at this stage, which is actually really dangerous for our population. 
But we're going to get to the big question, of course, at the moment, the one that's on everybody's lips. 76% of the population of this country believe we've let in too many immigrants to the country. I think everybody will agree, and you might even agree, that we should uh, obviously always have a system whereby skilled people can come into the country and apply for a visa, the work permit to work in the multinational companies that we have all over the country, and also that we should roll out the red carpet for those who are genuinely fleeing danger or fleeing war or persecution. No but, we have, but, no we have a, but we have a problem in the country, don't we? Yeah, well, we, we have a system. We're part of a political union based in Brussels, and that has a system of open borders and free movement. So we have 440 million people have an untrammeled right to come, live and reside in Ireland, and there's nothing we can do about it. That's a problem. The population of Ireland has gone up by 1.5 million since 1995. That is a huge increase, and we cannot keep up with, uh, like, for infrastructure in roads and hospitals and schools and houses. We just cannot keep up with a huge increase. And you're right, you bring up the example there, what is used in Australia at the minute. They have a points-based system where if we need people, if Ireland needs people to come here, we do it on, not according to race or anything like that, but we do it on a points-based system according to the skills that they will contribute to Ireland, that they come in and they get a, a residence permit for five years and 10 years, and they work and and they send the money back home and then they go home and they, they benefit, as you mentioned, Irish people going to Australia, they benefit from that experience, from the money they've earned and they go home and everyone's happy. It's a win-win. But at the minute, we have open borders immigration and the government, for some crazy, crazy reason, is not only taking in people from the EU, but also from outside the EU and the numbers are huge. Now, the, the, you know, the... And that has consequences. One is it increases demand for housing. It makes it more difficult for people, Irish people, to buy a house or to even rent an apartment. So that makes it difficult. It makes it more difficult uh, to get your children into a local school. It, gets, it makes it more difficult to get a, a doctor's appointment. Like, I know where I am in Louth. It, 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 it can take two weeks. Mm -hmm. And it, it's difficult yeah, so to get you into a hospital. Almost, so you have to almost in the plan to be sick in this country now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like we live in a world of finite resources. Ireland has finite resources and it's for the government to, to apportion uh, and make decisions in regards where we spend money, etc. But when there's finite resources, like we cannot invite everybody and give everybody a free a free lunch and a free house. Well, now, well, let me ask you I, I mentioned about Joseph okay. Puska. Like it's disgraceful. Now, in the like what happened there last Thursday? was disgraceful that this Algerian man, it's alleged, uh, stabbed three children and two adults. Now, that guy never seemingly, as reported, never worked a single day in his life. There was well, a we, case well, 10 we, weeks we, ago. Well, we don't know. When the man, we, go, we don't know the history of the man in question. But, but uh, hold on, I'm going to come to the riots and I'm going to come to all that in a few minutes. And I promise yeah. you I will come to it. But why do you think clever people, and we, we can only assume that Leo Varadkar... Are we just talking about me and you? Oh, well, absolutely. Roderick O'Gorman, <laughs> Leo Varadkar, Michal Martin, our Minister for Justice, Helen McEntee, Pascal Donoghue, you know, um, all the government ministers, who I can only assume are clever human beings. Why do you think they're not listening to the people and are rolling on with what you call open borders? And I'm not going to disagree with you. It seems like a free-for-all yeah. at this stage. And even Roderick O'Gorman this week coming out and saying, over the Christmas period, we have no more accommodation, so we're just going to have to give people more money you can find somewhere to stay yourself. In other words, buy a tent or something, right? So why do yeah. you think clever people are doing that 
And by their own admission, only four or five weeks ago, saying, yeah, we agree with the 76%. We're at capacity. We've no more room at the inn, but we're still going to keep letting people flow into the country. Why do you think you're doing that? They're doing that. Because they don't work for us anymore now. We're part of a political union, the EU. They they work as representatives of the EU to us. They to, the point, to the us. point of being reckless, because that's what they're doing, is reckless. Look, so to they, the point look, of being reckless. Elite, the EU is an elitist project of people that come over here, they get free sandwiches, they're made to feel very important, they're from a smaller country, they come mixed with the big boys, they're a bit overwhelmed. And they agree with everything that is su- suggested to them by people from France and Germany. They are ideologically manipulated by these multinational, a- anything that is a multinational like entity, be it the EU, the UN, the World Health Organization, the crowd in Ireland just just roll over. Yes, how high, how, how high can I jump? They don't work for us. And yes, you're right, that whole thing about 75, 76% of the population have had enough of immigration. And yet, we are the mainstream position. Like, they are the elite, they're minority. They're the extremist, crazy nutjobs uh, who, who want they, to keep on flooding you off. But they'd write you off as being the extreme well, right wing. When it's clear that mass unrestricted numbers of unvetted males coming into Ireland, those are... Uh, the security of a country, a lot of damage. It doesn't do us any any favours when young people can't get houses and they're still taking in more. These people, uh, ideologically, it's like a worm eating up their head. They don't work for us. That's the main problem. We've got to do it. Okay, so so the Irish Freedom Party, let's say, for example, you were elected uh, uh, this year in the general election, right? And you were given the position of Minister for Integration. I would. I, I don't think that's ever going to happen. To be honest with you, Herman, I think the government. I think Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil would have a heart attack. Make it easier. Yeah, make it yeah, uh, minister for uh, immigration. <laughs> but, immigration uh, control. Immigration make it control. Credible. Okay. So, <laughs> what would you do to change things to make it better? What would you actually do right at this very moment in time? Because as far as I can see, the horse is bolted. You literally can't go around rounding people up and kicking them all out of the country again because you've already no, let them no. in. First thing you got to say that anybody who is here illegally must be deported immediately. What's your definition of illegally? To, What's your definition of well, illegally? landing in Ireland without any ID, so we don't even know who you are or where you're from, is not on. If you're coming in, the first thing you do is you lie to the uh, authorities of the state. Well, you're not a person that we, because as you mentioned, there's a large number of people from Eastern Europe. They, they want to come in, they want to work, they want to better their families. And that's understandable. And that's not a problem. The problem is people who come in illegally without any passport. We don't know who they are. We don't know do they have a criminal record. We don't know do, will they contribute anything to our country at all. And these people who come in like that illegally must be deported immediately. Okay, but they place. will argue they will argue they're illegal at the point of entry because they don't have any documentation, those ones you're talking about, and no passports. But as soon as they claim asylum, well then they have a legal status of being an asylum seeker. So that's, those who are waiting for their applications would, would legal you... yeah. So this is for you're only talking about uh refugees and international protection applicants and stuff like that there. Now, I I would say that Ireland's main problem, 
uh, and uh, the large numbers of immigration actually come into Ireland completely legally. And that's the problem with EU open borders and free movement, that it's a free for all for 440 million people. And, and when we're as we're members of the EU, we have no proper control of immigration. But our, uh, there, there are immediate things we can deal with. And one, uh, as you're talking about people making appeals for refugee status, is that we, sh we should not, and we have no legal obligation, to give legal aid to people who are doing endless appeals when they have applied as uh, applicants for international protection. They're found out to be bogus. They have a deportation order. One, that those people who have been served with a deportation order should be deported. They, they, so in other words, you believe they should be physically removed that they're from taking the state. taxpayers' but, money to but have endless appeals. Look how unsuccessful Britain, who is not part of the EU, have been yes. at you know forcefully deporting people. They've been extremely yes. unsuccessful. So much so, it went to the Supreme Court when they wanted to send them to Rwanda, and that has been yes. challenged, of course. So, in other words, they've been unsuccessful, and they're not even part of Europe. But well, so you also have the Tory so party. How successful would we be? Yeah, you don't. You, you have you've had successive governments in Britain post-Brexit who don't believe in uh, Brexit and the powers and the freedoms that come from it, so they haven't used it. Actually, many of those Tory parties are gung-ho for, for, for more immigrants, but it does bring up the problem of the, the powers of the European Court of Human Rights, and uh, maybe we have to look at these international obligations that uh, the government keep on talking about. Now, there is, uh, but th their life, we don't like the the Geneva nineteen fifty is it the nineteen fifty one Geneva Convention about asylum? Basically, look, the definition of an asylum seeker has increased so much that it's now meaningless. At the minute, we don't have immigration control. We don't have any borders. And really, when you don't have borders, you don't have a proper functioning okay, country. Okay. So I'm not going to disagree with you. Any, anybody anybody can just waltz, anybody can waltz into Ireland. We all yeah, know that. And it's unsafe. Okay, and we okay, can't okay but that's, that, that was my next question. So people talk about feeling unsafe. Now, of course, Minister Helen McEntee is under fire at the moment, of course, in relation to that. She's also at war now with Twitter, who are now suggesting that she might not be telling the truth. Or um, certainly they believe Twitter said the comments that she made last week at the doll about Twitter not being cooperative were inaccurate comments and they want her to clarify them. Um, which actually opens up a wider question that if there was no formal request by Angarda Shea to Twitter till the 27th of November, what was she referring to? Were they informal requests? And if they're informal, that's even more sinister. But getting back to our safety, and that's her duty and her responsibility to keep us safe, do you believe Irish people feel safe in their own country? And if not, why not? No, they don't feel safe at all. Look, we've just witnessed a, an Algerian man stabbing uh, three children and two adults there last Thursday. Look, last year there were 12 women were killed in Ireland. Five of those women were killed by non-Irish nationals. Uh, the experience not only of Ireland, but in other countries throughout Europe, be it Sweden, Germany, France, Italy, etc., is that where there's a large number of unvetted males come into the country, there's an increase in crime and sexual assault. I'll give you two very clear examples. One, there was a government, a German government-sponsored report in Lower Saxony, which uh, in 2016 found that there'd be 
in the state of Lower Saxony, an average German state, that uh, there had been a 10% increase in crime and serious crime in one year. And they found that 92% of that was carried out by newly arrived migrants. And in Sweden, they found out that there's Swedish STV, the National Swedish, uh, they looked at convictions for sexual assault and rape. And they found out that 58% of rapes in Sweden were carried out by men who were born outside Sweden. So, like, there's a very causal link between unvetted immigration but of the Irish and crime. The Irish government. And what do we hear in Ireland? Well, well, hang on. We yeah, just said that we were saying, don't do not link uh, I was immigration just crime. Well, I'm sorry. All across Europe, it's clear. We don't, well, we don't have those figures because uh, Sharon Kogan spoke today quite eloquently, actually, in the Shannon, where she did have figures across Europe, the ones that you're quoting there a few minutes ago. But she also mentioned the fact that Leo said not to link immigration and crime. And she said, That's for that reason, we actually don't link them. We don't have statistics to show where somebody was born, where they came from, and who committed a crime. Essentially, it's just a man or a woman. Yeah. And that's all we have. And, and, so and Ireland, have yeah, the, the, in Ireland, they're trying to hide the reality of the link between uh, immigration and crime, but in every other European country where they have statistics, it's blatantly clear that there's a very clear causal link between unvetted immigration and, and serious crime, be it theft, murder, and sexual assault. So Leo Varadkar is not being naive. He's lying. He knows he's lying. And you know what? In 2009, Leo Varadkar, when he was a young, sorry, 2008, when he was a young TD, he was the guy. He was Mr. Hardman on immigration. He was the one who was advocating that, oh, we should pay migrants who are here on welfare to go home. We should give them uh, 5,000 or whatever. We should pay them to go home. Because why should like people who are not working just come over to Ireland and lang languish on welfare in a free house. That's certainly not fair. So maybe that's the only occasion where I actually agree with Leo Varadkar or where he's actually said anything useful to the Irish people. Okay. Immigration is one thing, and certainly it's going to be the hot topic on the doorsteps, although many politicians will have us believe that the constituents haven't even mentioned it. Um, I don't believe that for a minute. I think it's going to be one of the hottest topics on the doorstep. The other big hot topics on the doorstep, of course, are going to be the extra taxes we're paying because of climate change and climate change policies. I mean, these are not only extra taxes, but we've seen a massive increase in our energy bills and the cost of living, all directly related to the policies across Europe on climate change. Where do the Freedom Party or the Irish Freedom Party stand in relation to climate policy? Well, we have opposed the carbon tax from day one. We believe that climate change has always happened, will continue to happen, that the main driver in climate change is the sun or proximity to the sun and sunspots, etc. Like I started marine biology. Carbon dioxide is necessary for photosynthesis and plant growth. It's not a poison. It's a good, you could actually call it plant food. But uh, looking at uh, scientific data throughout history, that the world has been much hotter and much colder than it has been now. And CO2 levels have been much higher, not much lower than they are now. It is actually at historically very low level, but there's no causal link between CO2 and uh and what, and, what you, and, what, and what do you say to people, by the way, I would agree with you, by the way, but what do you say to people who will call you a climate denier? That's a, a ridiculous phrase. Uh, uh, climate, no, climate change has always taken place and will always continue to take place. But they're the ones who say that uh, a climate change or global warming 
is caused by CO2 emissions. But do you know what? CO2 makes up only 402 two parts in one million of our atmosphere. Only 3% of the CO2 today is, as they would say, man-made. Well, they have to prove that 97% of the CO2, which occurs naturally, has no effect on uh, on the climate. So uh, they haven't proven that yet. So uh, they're on a very sticky, sticky wicket, not ourselves. And hey, we're the ones who stick with the basics of uh, biology, that CO2 is necessary for photosynthesis and plant growth. So I think they're talking, do you know what? What do you think of Leo Varadkar's promise the other day uh, at COP28, to be promised to give hundreds of millions of Irish taxpayers money it's to, countries, like to other last, countries so the they last can pretend time to change I looked, the last time I looked at the uh, Irish budget, we were something like 250 billion euro in in public debt. So I don't know where he gets this money to like throw money around, not only to uh, people in Ireland on, on welfare, but also people abroad. We we don't have money. This country, like I think it's uh, every man, woman and child, I think it's roughly 10,000 euro. It's more, uh, I, think it's 40, yeah. I think it's 47,000 per person. 47,000 per person. I think it's yeah, 47,000 right, yeah. yeah, yeah. per person. I think okay. you're right. So it's uh, roughly 250 so you, so you would abolish, billion. You would, you would abolish all the environmental charges, the climate charges, the climate taxes, well, the carbon look, taxes. Look, look, carbon tax is an absolute scam. Well, foreign aid is, Leo Varadkar has just promised, as you said, 200 whatever uh, million to, to, to throw abroad for climate change. Like, all these foreign aid is very is taking money off poor people in Ireland and giving it to often rich people in other countries. And the carbon tax, as far as I'm concerned, it, it makes our meat more expensive. It makes our milk more expensive. It makes it more expensive for young people to drive to work in cars because of petrol. It makes it more expensive for old people to heat their home. It's completely unjust and it's unnecessary. We've opposed the carbon tax from day one. And do you know what? When you look at the figures, or you look at the votes in the European Parliament of the MEPs, they all vote for carbon tax. They all vote for, like, bigger charges than carbon tax. And I think it's completely wrong. And I, like, I'll be standing as a MEP candidate in the European election, as will Michael Leahy and Dermot O'Connor, and we will oppose the carbon tax absolutely at every opportunity. Because, as I said, it's unnecessary and okay. completely unjust. The reason why it's unjust, let me just finish, is that those who are less able to pay, those with less disposable income, like the, the, the granny at home or young people or whatever, they'll, they'll be the ones who have to pay like to heat their home. Heating their home and eating food are re requirements. They're not excessive. And yet, like those who are poor will be paying more out of their budget. And it's very unnecessary as well. I mean, we also had Aon Oridin yesterday saying that gone are the days we'll be able to just jump into our car and go wherever we want. Yet we see politicians jetting all over the world on a regular basis. 97,000 people arrived at COP28 for the convention. They all didn't get there on a bicycle. So uh, obviously it's kind of do as we say, as not as we do. But just to clarify, by the way, 44,200 per person is the debt in, in Ireland currently at the moment. But of course, the latest news on RT yesterday is not only, uh, you know, a carbon tax, but we now are requiring people as and from February to pay an extra 15 cent to 25 cent on every plastic bottle unless they return it. Where do you stand on all those issues? Well, generally on, on taxation, uh, like the, there are problems to do with, as the EPA have shown, there are problems to do with nitrates and phosphates in, in the water system. And there are 
ecological problems in the world that we do have to look at and take care of. Because loss of biodiversity is very serious. But climate change, as they call uh, global warming, and this idea that uh, global warming is caused by man-made CO2 emissions, we think it's an absolute scam. It's a scam to justify state control of individuals, and it's unnecessary, it's wrong, and, and it's a scam to take control okay. of people's lives. That so, well, we, okay. we, let, we, me, let me go to the second problem. biggest issue because we don't have a huge amount of time. The second biggest issue in Ireland, uh, when I say the second biggest issue next to immigration is the housing crisis in itself, which, by the way, the two are probably intrinsically linked to some degree. But yeah, certainly yeah. we had a housing crisis before we had mass immigration. When I say mass immigration, those numbers increased over the last yeah. three years. We have had a housing crisis for the last 15 years. How can you resolve a housing crisis when you have nobody to build houses? Money is not the issue, as we well know. We have enough money to build all the houses, but it's finding people to build them and fast-tracking the planning process to do that. So how do you... I mean, look, you've got Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil promising 80,000 houses, roughly. You've got, you know, Sinn Féin promising 100,000 or 120,000. And then you've got the Labour, Party come, the Labour Party coming up with some ridiculous figure of a million houses. So, I mean, realistically, how can you build houses when you've nobody to build them? Well, well, I, I disagree what you said about we've got plenty of money, uh, but we've got no houses because actually EU state aid rules uh, basically limit the ability of uh, public spending by the government because they constrict the amount of debt that every state can have. So when Sinn Féin promised that we're going to build so many houses, they won't have the money or they could build the houses, but that, that would mean that they would have to reduce the amount of money on education, on roads, on uh, hospitals, etc. So EU state rules will constrict the amount of money that can be spent on public, on the building, on site, public okay, funding. But even if we on, could, on let, let's just let's just argue yeah, that we could I, get I, the money I, for 120,000 Who's uh, got to build them? When I was 24, I was working on a building site in Edinburgh. So I, I worked on building site. There were 70 guys on the building site. Every one in bar one, was of Irish Catholic extraction. All of them, bar five, were actually Irish. We're all we were all native born Irish. So we've got lots of builders. Oh, you don't. Not only in Ireland, yeah, but working abroad. We have the ability. No, the majority of young so people are not going we can into bring construction. Them back but no, the majority of young people now don't want to get their hands dirty. They don't go into construction. We've seen a huge increase in the average age of plasterers, bricklayers, electricians, plumbers, those people who do all that manual labour. We're seeing the average age for all of those occupations rising rapidly because young people are not going into those occupations. And you know, this, in is, America, this the problem. In America, th those very jobs, of the skilled labour of men working with their hands are very well paid. Why? Absolutely. Because you don't have a huge sea of uh, huge numbers of low-skill labourers coming in and undercutting those prices. I would say about the left, actually, mass immigration cuts the throat of a sense of national solidarity, which is the basis of people paying their taxes, and also a bargaining power for, uh, for, for workers when they're looking for better wages. So mass immigration means they're going to have lower wages and more expensive houses. It's a very, very bad deal for ordinary working people. Well, we've seen a massive decrease in trade occupation of 45%. That's obviously because of the technological industry. Um, so yeah. that's, but that's a huge problem. And I'm, I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying, but if we, even if we have the money, even if we have the planning permission and the raw materials, 
when we don't encourage young people to go into apprenticeships from a young age, which we're not doing anymore, do you remember your and I day, people would leave after their intercert and, you know, and follow their dad's footsteps and be a plumber or an electrician or a bricklayer or a plaster, any of those great skills. But we're not seeing that much anymore. They're encouraged to stay to the insert. They're encouraged to go to college to do sometimes a useless course they've no interest in. And they're not encouraged to go into apprenticeships at an early age. Yeah, instead of the state encouraging people to study like sociology or, or media studies or gender fluid studies and all these simple, the, these ridiculous, time-wasting, uh, baseless, it's kind of subjects without objects, that they should encourage young men and women to go into vocational training and get skills which are useful in the real world, that they can go and get jobs that are well-paid and uh, that are needed in society. As I said, I mentioned America. Th these jobs are well paid in America. But as I said, mass immigration, like it undermines uh, wage bargaining. And it basically means a race to the bottom when it comes to wages for lower scale jobs. And it's not good. And then with so many people looking for so many houses, demand for houses go up and prices go up. But I would say in general, in regards to taxation, which you've asked about, our general thrust is to lower taxation, lower government, government waste, lower government spending and reduce taxation on people to encourage people to go to work, to incentivize merit, to incentivize enterprise and risk and taking and starting a business and going out on your own and and all that we should encourage work and we should penalize people who just want to sit at home and do nothing and live off the taxpayer that's there's, not fair there's five percent out there just, isn't there okay but there's okay. nothing just about uh like why if there's two if there's two Two families living beside each other. One, the father goes out to work, does his best every day pr to provide for his family. Next door is a guy sitting on the door, has no intent or any need to go to work. And it's not fair that the outcome for both those families should be the same because of the welfare system. In relation to, um, well, there's two other things I want to talk to you about. First is the media in Ireland. Um, and well, I, I'm sure you yeah, don't have a great opinion of the media in Ireland. Um, but I'll come to that in a second. Yeah. RTE, of course, are in the, in the news over the last year. Um, they're bleeding money, as we well know. Um, they're squandering money, as we well know. It's costing millions in taxpayers' money to bail them out. Would you bail them out? Or would you leave them high and dry and let them figure uh, it out themselves? Like I used to call them the sticky station. I used to be right for the Irish uh, Daily Mail and Examiner and stuff like that. I remember writing an article about... Uh, that uh, RTE was Radio Lisbon. It was, a, it was like a propaganda organ of the Irish establishment. It's completely biased, uh, very, very left-wing, uh, anti-nationalist, hates the Irish people, uh, Irish sovereignty. No, I wouldn't give RTE a penny. Look, they cannot exist by subscriptions, which is basically the license fee, that they should go bust if they're overspending people. And they certainly... The, the, the state and the politicians, it's absolutely disgusting that they would take taxpayers' money, which comes from Irish workers, to subsidise. Like, Tuberty there was on half a million a year. Now, he wouldn't get a fraction of that in, in, in another country. And yet, so, like, we have to... I wouldn't... I would let RT go to the floor, go bust, and you know what? If other media organisations want to come in and people want to pay subscriptions, like like your show, people pay subscriptions because they're interested and they want to buy a product. Well, 
in general, let RT work like that as well. And if people want to to watch it, let them pay for it in happy days. But is the taxpayer should be involved. Necessary. I mean, don't get me wrong. I I wouldn't be a fan of RT at all. Um, but in saying that, there are some programs that I believe are reasonably beneficial. Um, obviously, like prime, national sport and prime culture. Primetime yes. investigates has uncovered quite a lot of scandals in Ireland to the embarrassment of the government um, over the last 20 years. I don't think it's as good as it used to be, but they have uncovered quite a lot of scandals. Those kind of programs, and as you mentioned, sport, live events, stuff like that, all cost money. Uh, and yep. RTE's claim well, is that I, we, yeah, we can't fund I, I, that I, just I, on the licence fee. Yeah, I do think that it's behest of the government to encourage things like that of sport uh, or programs celebrating national culture, etc. But they don't have to be produced or broadcast by RT. They can do, they can be done by other companies. And you know what? More competition in the Irish market, I think, would be good and give people a greater choice that they're the, the people who uh, pay subscriptions for media organisations such as yourselves, that if people want it, let them pay for it. And uh, I think it's a much better and there will be more choice in the market. And I, I think a kind of state-sponsored monopoly and subsidized monopoly such as RT is very dangerous because they're also, like this bailout by politicians, that gives them, th th they have RT by the tail. That's political control of the media and it's very, very dangerous indeed. Unless we, do we really want to live in something like a kind of Russia, North Korea, where, where the political oligarchy have control of the media? I think it's very dangerous and it should be towards a free market and people decide what they want to watch and what they want to pay for. Um, in relation to this referendum that has just been announced, of course, for March next year, uh, this is a referendum in the part of the Constitution that more or less suggests that a woman's place is in the home or shouldn't by necessity have to go to work uh, to finance her it family. It doesn't say that in the Constitution. Well, I'm, well, I'm not, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> there you go. You're going you're gonna to quote it in a second, aren't you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll have okay. to put on my glasses. I'm clearly paraphrasing because I don't have it in front of me here. But, but in saying that, um, a woman's place is in the home or shouldn't have to go to work to necessitate whatever it is looking after her children. Now, the idea is, of course, is that they want to gender neutral this. In other words, they possibly want to change it to the word parent or possibly remove it altogether. By the way, for the feminists, I don't think that would be a very good thing at all because it doesn't give to protect, it doesn't protect women anymore. I think it's actually a good piece of work in the Constitution. I think they were thinking well ahead in the Constitution when they wanted to protect women. Mind you, no one's ever taken a case to the Supreme or High Court suggesting that they should be giving women more money who stay at home. But, I mean, what do you suggest we do with that article in the Constitution? Should we leave it as it is or should we change it to a parent rather than a mother? Well, I believe what they're attempting to do, well, what they're explicitly doing, first off, before we do the interpretation, is that they are seeking to remove the word woman and the word mother from the, and the only occasions that they exist in the Irish constitution. This also has the effect of removing sex-based rights from the constitution. And also, they also want to expand um, the family, as it has now, based on marriage, to basically any current, as they say, carrying relationship. What, like, carrying relationship? What does that mean? Like, mm. does that, is it open to a man and his dog? Uh, but the whole thing that I believe what they're doing, the first part to do with removing woman and uh, mother from the Constitution, is they, I think it's mis misogynist, trying to erase woman and womanhood, like they are 
They are rejecting sex-based rights. They are rejecting biology. And on top of that, they're trying to impose this gender ideology, which as you have just mentioned there, they want to, like, what will happen is birth certificates will move from mother and father to parent one and parent two, as we already have in Spain. But if I was a woman, and you, you're, they're already watching men moving into the changing rooms, men... Uh, you're talking about biological men who are identifying as women. Yes, yeah, biological men, self-identify. Like, I, I could self-identify as Santa Claus, but it doesn't make me Santa Claus. Doesn't mean you can go down the uh, chimney. Like, yeah. <laughs> I could put up a, a funny hat, but I still... Uh, but the, the whole thing, they are looking to remove the sex-based protections that women have in the Constitution. And for, I, I would agree with you because, of course, I'm completely against the idea of anybody identifying as anything they want to be because I think it's nonsense, right? But in saying that, the only part I kind of think about is that this piece of the Constitution was put in there at a time when men went to work and women stayed at home. Now, of course, we all know times have changed. Women are now funded, yeah. furthering their careers. And in, in a lot of cases, men stay at home if a woman is better paid. Yeah. So I suppose yeah. the argument by those, I'm not talking about the mad lefties who are changing it for other erroneous reasons, is that we want to make it fair in case a man decides to stay at home. The, the, what they're doing is is the problem. People so what would will you change it to is what I want to know. Well, I, I, I think, look, irrespective of the culture and the time in which these laws are made or where they impact, that biology, human nature, and biology, oh, no, I agree and sexual relationships, it takes a man and a okay. woman to have sex, to have would a child. Would you be happy? Well, then would you be happy if they change it to a man or a woman or a mother and a father by necessity shouldn't have to go to work, blah, 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 blah. Would you be happy if they changed that way rather than, you know, making it gender neutral and saying parent? Because obviously we do, uh, we do live in a changing world where, you know, men or women sometimes go to work. Well, I'm very suspicious that the only time where woman and mother occurs in the Constitution, that they want to remove it. I think it's very... And I wouldn't trust these people one iota. No, I don't trust uh, them either. Would, would I think it... Yeah, well, there is there is a, a part where... What, what I think there should be much more emphasis and place in the constitution for the importance of fathers as mm -hmm. well. Yeah. That shouldn't fathers have an equal right, for example, to see their children. But th there there actually was a Supreme Court case. It was taken by the Magmahuna family about uh, two decades ago for women, that there would be an increase for women staying at home, that there would be financial benefits. And it was rejected by the Supreme Court. Why? Because they said that only the, the government and the parliament should have the right to anything to do with money and bills, mm. that it is the government and the parliament which has the right, not, not, uh, not judges. Okay, final thought before we finish up today. Uh, we can't avoid talking about the riots uh, Thursday previous, uh, two weeks ago. Uh, and what happened. And and I don't think even you or anybody can condone the behaviour of individuals who set fire to buses no. or looted shops or attacked in Garda Sheikana uh, in reaction to what happened on the, uh, that tragic event on Thursday afternoon. Now, I don't want to go too much into the tragic event on Thursday afternoon. All we can say is we wish that young girl well and we hope she makes a recovery. And hopefully the teacher as well and hope she makes a recovery too because obviously that's part of an ongoing guard investigation. But in relation to what happened and the reaction afterwards by those tow rags, um, and let me be clear, not everybody that was in town that night was a tow rag. Uh, the ones that were committing the criminality certainly were. There was an anger 
Um, the government referred to everybody who disagrees with them as the far right. Um, why do you think that anger exists? And do you think it's going to come to some sort of conclusion eventually? Or are we just going to get another election with more of the same? Because as we clearly know, Sinn Féin are reading from the same hymn book. Well, I, I do believe that the vast majority of people, well, as you mentioned, three quarters of the Irish population have had enough of immigration. However, the political class are all for it. So you have a massive disparity. But you are having new move, political movements like ourselves, uh, the Irish Freedom Party, who are starting to make progress. We've just appeared there last week for the first time in a national poll, uh, others at uh, 3% or whatever. Uh, there was a righteous anger at, uh, sorry, there was a righteous anger by people after the event last Thursday. It was expressed. Uh, I don't agree with violence, political violence. Look, I grew up in political violence in the north of in in Derry in the bog side. I I detest political violence. I uh, I think people were wrong expressing themselves like that, but they did it because they're some people. For some people, I'm sure it wasn't to do with politics at all. It was just no. an opportunity. But yeah. there are many people who are frustrated because they see political inaction from the political elites who are doing... There was three over 300 protests and rallies last year to do with the issue of immigration, and yet the government haven't budged one iota. Look, the only thing that the political class understand is not rioting, is not kind of people shouting in the street. It's the only thing the political class understand is you take money off them or you take votes off them. So the Irish Freedom Party will be running candidates to give people an opportunity to kick the political establishment in Ireland, who seem to hate our country, to kick them in the ballot box where it matters and where it hurts. So I think don't never give your enemy what they want. I think rioting is completely counterproductive because it takes the focus away from the well, we've seen, we've seen action that. on that poor yeah. girl, and uh, it, it takes away the focus from the open borders craziness done by the government, and instead, no, well, okay, well, we've the, seen what the, happened the after riots. All it did was give the government ammunition to talk about or to bring in exactly. hate speech. Exactly. Also, nobody exactly. And that, that no, that is that is an attack on free speech. Is Absolutely. a very extremely dangerous legislation. It's not going to happen. And people from abroad are looking at Ireland aghast. They cannot believe that the Irish government is looking to take the power uh, to give privileges to certain identity I, groups. I, I honestly and, believe, Herman, that the, the, the free speech laws, the hate speech laws, should I say, um, which are completely unnecessary because let's be clear, um, our Minister for Justice pointed out that many people who were posting on Twitter or Facebook or wherever it was on that Thursday afternoon are being investigated by the Guardi under the Incitement of Hatred Act 1989. So if she's saying that, clearly the Incitement of Hatred Act 1989 is adequate for what we need it for. So there's, it's unnecessary to bring in more hate speech laws. And this is the Minister's pet project, as we all well know, and it'll be her downfall. It also could be the downfall of the government too. I don't believe these laws will ever actually be signed into law. Anyway, on that note... I wish you well next year in the European Parliament uh, elections and I also wish you well in the local elections and I wish you well in a general election if you manage to get yourself that far you want to go that far and, and put more candidates out and thank you very much indeed for joining us today. Herman Kelly, President of the Irish Freedom Party. Thank you, Nat.